Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by and so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of fascinating stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. The show is supported by Illustration X. Go and take a look at their incredible global range of illustration and animation portfolios now at illustrationx.com. If you like the music for the show, go and listen to Dirty Freud over on Spotify and all good music platforms now. Today I'm joined by Fiden Creative Director Julia Hasting. It's the centenary year of the art book publisher Fiden, and we're going to talk about all that lovely design and all those beautiful books that Julia's worked on. We're going to get into the art of collaboration, all the things a creative director or a book publisher has to manage, and of course, the broad range of books she's worked on. Hello and welcome to the show. This is The Creative Condition. I am Ben Talon, your host. How are you? I hope you're well. I hope you're feeling good. It's wet and miserable and autumnal outside and those leaves are beautiful colours so there are upsides. I hope you're feeling creative. What have you been up to? Tell me. Hit me up. Hello at bentallon.com on the email. Today I'm joined by Fiden's creative director, Julia Hasting. Julia joins me from Zurich in Switzerland and we're going to talk about her long-standing career whole body of impressive work. Julia has worked on the uh, wonderful drawing anthologies, the Vitamin series, Vitamin D2, D3, fantastic standout titles. She's worked on Japan, the cookbook, Wa, the essence of Japanese design, Bread is Gold, book about bread. (laughs) It's an incredible range of books. It's a challenging role. We're going to get into the nuances of that. We're going to talk about the amount of people that Julia has to work with and satisfy the requirements now as we're into a very much digital age. So not just setting things up for print, but designing book covers that also work for social media thumbnails and what challenges that poses. We're going to talk about the future of print design because as we know, we're into a lot of automation now with artificial intelligence. And what does that mean for the print book? What is its place in our cultural horizons. This one was a real thrill for me to uh, get into. It was a, I'm a big, big, big art book nerd. I mean, anyone coming out of university, specifically in arts degrees, in illustration and design, around the time that I graduated and before, so 2006, um, had to come away with a respectable book collection. You know, that first studio, that first role, you have to have a nice pile of books ready and at your disposal for inspiration and to meet the person behind the ideas and the design was a thrill so i was very quick to accept this one i hope you will enjoy this one too it's uh, it's a strong one big thank you to the supporters of the show illustrationx.com check out their global range of illustration and animation portfolios um a little bit about the kickstart so there's a brand new creative condition book i finally got it written edited by David Woodtail, my long-term editor. I'm very proud of his body of work and I've been pulling in various interview excerpts from 
guests far and wide from this podcast, people who I've interviewed specifically for the book. It's a labour of love. It's my statement of intent moving forward because I think the elevation of creativity in our society is going to be really important if we are to meet the challenge um, of the problems we face. If we can solve those problems, it's going to need creativity. So I'm talking about the climate crisis. I'm talking about, you know what the world looks like moving forward with all the division that's been ramped up by um, partisan political agenda you know it's, it's it's a lot of ugliness out there at the moment and i think that a lot of healing is going to come from us coming together and feeling energized about the world we're in and recognizing what we can make what we can do to make that change so that's what this book is about it means a lot to me it's a personal labor of love i've done this now for 10 years the podcast has been over seven but i've been interviewing people for longer than that so anyone who's listened to this show at any point will know exactly what that means to me so a big thank you to anyone who has got behind the kickstarter and backed me so far we are now up to halfway of my funding goal which is incredible it's only been going a week i hope you will support it it's going to get the book funded it's going to mean i can do the initial print run and distribution and start to get this book out to the people who can benefit from it the most to elevate their creativity to help them understand and embrace what their self-expression looks like because we need that for the next generation of people so thank you for everyone who's contributed so far it's been a wild ride i hope you'll jump on that uh, and without further ado let's get to this conversation with julia hasting of fiden well, so I'm German. I grew up in northern Germany in the countryside, actually. And um, yeah, I think I was quite maybe looking back very influenced by the kids books that I read at the time that my parents gave me. And um, most importantly, they were by Tommy Ungerer. And uh, I think also interpreting it now, I think I was heavily influenced by him in terms of this little rules that he broke in the illustrations like unexpected things that come into the pace of the book like for example i don't know i remember in uh, the beast of monsieur racine that uh, there is a scene of care suddenly and there's a frame around the illustration but um, like a drawn line but it's broken and it's actually dripping something and this kind of little elements that are against the rules i i really love them and i i like to find them and also of course i mean everybody's favorite uh, where the wild things are by maurice sandak for example i looking at it again with my own children i realized how much it's actually um planned out the way that the frame grows bigger when he escapes from the real life into this fantasy world of the beasts and um, the horizon opens up and he goes out into the night and it's like it's kind of totally planned through which we don't notice as a child but I guess it was quite influential and I don't know I think nowadays I I always try in my layouts to have definitely strict rules but then I also break them and, and bring some more human element into them even if it's done typographically or like have mm -hmm. a grid but there's also an exception to it so that I don't know. Just I thought about this recently by chance. <laughs> There's something beautiful. And so I drew a lot. I sketched a lot, but I, I mean, I didn't know that I would once design books. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> There's something beautiful that you hit on there with the uh, 
you know that that thing of as a child we don't consume these things with any logic or no and you know analysis skills it's very pure it's very playful and it's very, very curious and yet if the job is done well the message will still resonate on a very primal level i think yeah exactly uh, then in adulthood you know particularly in a line of work like yours we then get to look back and, and suddenly understand why it made us feel a certain way and perhaps how much yeah. that was a conscious decision yeah. um, that's very fair very, uh, uh, very foundational there's right? a real choreography to these books and this and um, intentional disruptors i think so yeah that was uh, nice to detect later <laughs> And did you did you have a kind of mazy path, or did you did you? What was the point that you encountered design on a, in a kind of conscious, in, intentional way? Okay, yeah. So actually, well, after um, school, I knew I wanted to do something with art because that was my strength to always draw, sketch, paint, whatever. And I wasn't so clear about the exact direction. So first, I applied for fine arts, but then found out while I was preparing a portfolio that this is actually probably more called graphic design or design. And also I was then actually very much still influenced by these books, wanted to become a children book illustrator and be an author later. And so I applied for graphic design and then studied graphic design first in Kassel in Germany and then shortly after in Karlsruhe in a newly founded school, which was absolutely brilliant. And there I really then learned and understood what graphic design encounters and loved all the elements of it. And special was really in the school that our professor Gunther Rambo, um, famous German poster designer, um, <clears throat> he was really good in introducing us to the real world. And we were actually involved in real projects from the very first days. Like we did a wonderful book for the door handle um producer FSB Franz Schneider Brake um who had previously worked with Ottel Eicher on their publications and so we were we had the privilege to design a book for them after he passed away which was really amazing and influential to be working on I mean influential for me on how I then um, what I learned in doing this project. And then also in all our semester breaks uh, as a little group of students, we were always working on real book designs already because the school, the Hochschule für Gestaltung Karlsruhe was closely connected to the Media Art Center in Karlsruhe next door, like a museum. And so there was actually jobs to do and we designed books. And so very early on, already still while I was studying, I went to printers. I, I learned by doing this on the side, which was, I guess, very helpful when I then finished studying and showed up in London to not really knowing what I would do. But then I yeah, met uh, via Ellen Fletcher and at Feiden, and that's how it all started. And I designed my first book for Feiden. It's funny, isn't it? But there's... Um... <laughs> You know, I've talked to so many people now in this capacity, and mm. I, I don't know too many people that had a, a straight line journey into where they are. Mm. And I guess that what I've been writing about in my own book, The Creative Condition, is that the, the need to spend time with yourself and understand and trust and love that that inner person, because that's what gives you the feelings that in, become the compass and indicate and it sounds like you you also have a very organic journey and 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 you know the access to the book printers and these things that have to have a degree of luck and chance that that are there for us 
Um, it's trusting the feeling that we get yeah. when when we come to that. Well, did you, you know, did you um, feel passionate about books quite quick when you began to do this? Yeah, I mean, I think so because, um, yeah, I think so very much so because a book, the way I see it and approach it is really has so many layers to it and it kind of encompasses a lot of the subject that you have in the field of graphic design. So there is, it is an object, it's an overall object. So I completely connected um, all the elements. So you, you have to design the cover that connects with the interior, with the typography, with the materiality, with the subject matter, first of all. But in a way, you have a lot of elements in there. Cover is, you think about that in a similar way as you would set up a poster design. You have to deal with um, fine typography for for the layout and yeah, so it has so many levels that I think I really loved it. And especially if I have the opportunity to really um, make it an overall designed object. So we never design books. I just pick an image and put it on the cover, but it's always an overall conceptual thinking behind these yeah, designs in, in themselves. So that is, it has a lot of opportunity, a book design, if you really approach it in this way. So of course, I love designing posters as well. And I did some identities as well before I was heavily involved with Fiden, but and sometimes did them still at the side. But it's very beautiful to design a book and it's there to last. And it, mm -hmm. it is nice to see it then in the bookshops and uh, that people actually have an emotional attachment to books much more than to other designed yeah. pieces of graphic design, like identities. And it's emotional. It's something that you want and connect to. And mm -hmm. and I do connect to them. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think there's a permanence about them. And um, and, exactly. and they, they, they take on different lives over, over the years. Yeah. You know, even yeah, just... Personality. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, completely. I mean, there's a... The, the the episode I just put out today was with Stefan Sagmeister and his new book for Fiden now is better. Yeah. Um is wonderful. But as part of that process, I pulled out the book called Handwritten, which is an old compendium of handwritten typefaces that I had mm -hmm. right back from studying, going back nearly 20 years now. And to look at the that's the first time I encountered Stefan's work was a poster that mm -hmm. was included in the book. And just again, that personal journey for me, just to to come that distance and to get to talk to Stefan, but also what's happened in between. There's so many beautiful personal layers to a book. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Especially also if you include as a designer some handmade elements, which I also love doing. I mean, I've you cannot do it all the time and it's not always appropriate, but I've done it whenever it was possible. I on vitamin D3, for example, a book about contemporary drawing. I made a drawing for the cover and I put hand-drawn elements instead of pa paragraph breaks. And so I love doing that, like, like interrupt, but also like put something that is handmade into them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's the classic thing, isn't it, of, of knowing the rules before you can break them. And I think that's... Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally... Yeah, yeah. I feel like that. <laughs> and, and then it's you know you have the trust that you've made a decision based on the idea and, and the creative and the and what, yeah. the, what the book has to communicate. Yeah, completely. What, what was it that Fiden's? You know, where were you at when Fiden picked you up, and when what was the relation, the dynamic of that 
get in that role? Um, it was really a little bit a coincidence because I wasn't really, I didn't really know whether I wanted to be in London, but I went there to meet a few design studios after I finished studying. And then also um, met with Alan Fletcher, who was um, as a freelance uh, consultant, uh, art director for Fiden. Once a week, he came to Fiden and oversaw their um, design uh, processes in a design meeting. And when I met him and he saw my portfolio and it was amazing to be with him and to talk with him, he said, oh, do you want to do a book for Feiden? And I said, sure. And so he introduced me to the publisher at the time and that's how it started. And so, yeah, um, quite quickly, actually, I was involved in more books. I at first thought I would only stay for three months, work on one book and go back to I don't know where and start my own studio. Actually, I wanted to do that. But then I got kind of hooked and because I had such wonderful other projects to work on, I was working on this uh, book, Fresh Cream at the time. And there was, uh, yeah, there was, I could really explore and propose what I believed in and it was accepted. And it, I think the publisher at the time really noticed that the designs sold the book very well. So I could do unusual production um treatment such as this fresh cream was packaged in an inflatable bubble and it was a big success. It was almost like an exhibition in a book in that sense in its own time capsule and people kept one in the bubble and bought a second to open. So that was good. <laughs> and so it was a very good collaboration. And then he asked me to uh, whether I wanted to be art director in New York in his newly founded office there. And initially the publishing house was just in London. And I said, yes. And then that's how I stayed and stayed and I'm still working. Mm. And at the moment, yeah, since years now, I'm the creative director. So I oversee all the designs. I work together with the publishers, of course, and the editorial teams. We have weekly, very intense <laughs> design meetings, which we hold over Zoom because it's London, New York, I'm in Zurich, sometimes Paris joins where we also have an office. But we really discuss in depth the designs that come in. And um, previous to that, I will have appointed designers that fit a certain book. Um, then work with them and then we get feedback of our mutual feedback to the designers if there are any changes necessary. Yeah, and some of the books I can I also design myself still, and that's of course what I love the very most. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so back to focusing on something and creating myself, which works so well here because I'm basically alone in my atelier, <clears throat> even though if I have hour-long meetings with the whole team uh, after yeah, one click on the mouse with the mouse I'm alone again, which is super good and I can concentrate and I can design and I love that part. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think I forgot to say something now, but. <laughs> so and in terms of, you know, your decisions to design books yourself, is that a decision that's made entirely uh, what's right for the book? Is it, uh, do you get some degree of, I love the look of this. I want to do this. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm very lucky. I can, of course, put myself forward as well. And also because I only do that when it makes sense, when it, um, in always in discussion with the publishers, uh, Deb Aronson and Emilia Tirani, uh, we decide who 
who's designing what, but yes, I can say, for example, I said I would love to design the Alva and I know Alto book or the Andy Warhol catalog resume, or I don't know, I have also certain series going, like the vitamin series that I often do. But yeah, I, I can say I would love to design the Paul Smith book. And if they also agree that it's a good match, we'll we go for it. But yeah, we very much, I very much think about have a long list of collaborators, designer collaborators, international. So they are all also all, all over the world, which is so nice. Um and then I really agonize sometimes quite long about who's getting what job or whom will I ask and what's a good fit. And it's very nice. We have long lasting close relationships with our graphic designers that we work with. So it's, it's working well. And it's exciting to always add new designers to that list as well. And mm. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, it must be such an invested process, given the the you know the gravity and the and the scope of some of the books that you work yeah. on. You it's know. very intense sometimes, yeah, and also it's sometimes complicated because it's there's so many people involved. There, it's us. They're the publishers, the CEO. We have to meet a certain uh, audience, and then there's of course the artists behind it and the the authors, and everybody in the end has to be happy with it. Yeah. And we still want to put out the absolute best product. So it's sometimes complicated, but it's, yeah, it's an interesting challenge. <laughs> and, and, and is there a healthy ecosystem in terms of everyone's got the freedom to say what they feel is right for the book and push and pull and, and all the things? Yeah. You know, because let's face it, any good design project, there must be a great degree of collaboration and negotiation. And Absolutely. Um, I would say so. It is, of course, sometimes gets complicated. And, and after all, our our authors have to be happy and um, the, the artists, but also we have to sell this book and I need to be able to stand behind it for the design. Uh, so it can become complicated, but I think, yes, we, we really have good discussion and we also try that our designers uh, can be proud about their uh, books in the end. So, yeah. Um, it is complicated sometimes, I have to say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's safe to say, you know, we're talking now in the 100th year of Fiden as a publisher, which is incredible. And that's such a legacy also. Yeah. Um, is that, you know, I, I guess that would, would that come with a balance of, is, is there pressure that comes from the prestige and the reputation to, to, to maintain that with every project? Or is that a luxury and a privilege? I don't feel it as a pressure. I think it's a privilege and I think it's just, it's a nice challenge that uh, that's how I challenge myself. I always want these books to still look great and I don't want to um, compromise too much. And of course we have to sometimes because of budget reasons or because of time limits. And then there's, there is always disappointment, not always, but a lot as well, but then you have to, kind of adapt and find a great compromise, um, which is also a creative challenge, you know, like, so for example, you, you wanted the, the colored edging for the book and now, sorry, you can't have it because there's not enough time in the printing schedule and it will not dry on time and you can't have it or it's too expensive or whatnot. And then you have to rethink slightly, not completely, but find still the best solution. And it's always constant creative challenge. I mean, even if the concept is approved sometimes. And um, 
And this is also what I enjoy is that there are so many stages to a book design. You know, there's first, uh, first you really have to inform yourself about the subject and 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 do research, and uh, then you come up with the concept and have to present it in the right way so everybody understands it and can envision the project. And once that's approved, which can take sometimes longer and sometimes it's immediate that it's approved. Um, then there is the whole production process starting and the layout process on the side, but we also immediately start testing for the materials, the printing um, processes. It's yeah, so it's it stays interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and to the point where in the end, yeah, it also has to look good, even if the book isn't even printing yet, but it has to already be there for the sales force to to put it out and to talk about it. So you have to do amazing renderings or present the book in the right light, even though it's not there yet. So you have maybe tests and off covers, but not yet the real book. So it's yeah, there's a real life to it until it really (laughs) Yeah, I mean there's so many moving parts going on there. You know, you it's it would be easy to be fooled perhaps you know, from an inexperienced standpoint to look at one book and go with one book, you know, I get to sit and design all these pages. But actually, you know, even just in terms of the financial creativity that, that must have to be deployed from what you said there, budget constraints and time yeah. signals and so, so many variables at all times in your role yeah. by the sound of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. that that takes a certain personality and resilience that I guess you would have built up throughout the course of your time with Fiden. Yeah. It yeah, but there's it is uh, always there, this challenge and the change and the, the budgets. And But I don't know, it's kind of, I guess I have a lot of experience now over the years and you have to just stay calm and find a good solution. And uh, most of the time there is. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I would um, just take it as a, as a challenge, a creative challenge. Of course. And I, I remember I interviewed... Um, Annie Atkins, mm-hmm. who yeah. the film, you know her work. Yeah. And, um, and I worked with her on the book and kind of in the end did the layout for the book because oh, really? we were doing, yeah. Which one was that for? Sorry? For, huh? for Annie's book. Yeah. So I, I did the layout for her book. Of course, it's all her work in there, but the typography and so on. I worked oh, closely yeah. with her on her book, yeah, at the time. Uh, I didn't so know I, that. Yeah. yeah. But the but the similarity that I see in Annie's work in yours is is this is you know I I always remember not too long before I got the chance to interview Annie I'd done a bit of work art direction work on a I mean a mm-hmm. zero to micro budget independent film in Manchester mm-hmm. and by the end of the project there were a lot of pleasures but I I knew this wasn't for me I knew that I needed a more specialized role where I applied my yeah. mood. <laughs> And that was emphatically confirmed when I, I I sat in on Annie's Annie's workshop in Dublin oh, before, did we, before, before we talked for the podcast. And when she explained, you know, the sheer pressures and all the moving parts in that role to to please the actors, to work with different directors and their own quirks, it's just it gave me so much admiration for for Annie's ability to do all of that with such style and such, you know um rigor and it's much the same with you i it kind of melts my brain if i think of all the things and, and having to do that myself it would not be right for me <laughs> and it is it is it is challenging <laughs> so that's why it's so wonderful that i can also have the other side of the job that is also so important that i still can design books and then it's really 
I can focus and it's, yeah, it's, it's a good balance, I would say. A very nice one. <laughs> <laughs> and how about in your own spare time in your own life? Do you still, you know, do you still hover in bookshops? And are, are you, do you, do you try, yeah. <laughs> I do, but I guess I also hover all over and get inspiration also from non-book items, like, which is important because you're already in the job. I see a lot now, of course, and also the constant research I'm doing also to find the right people and so on. So you, I see a lot and I'm involved in the Alliance Grafik International and in other platforms and in, in juries sometimes. So I see a lot. So sometimes I also want to see something that isn't um, graphic designers. <laughs> to, so, but yeah, I, I do. I, I look at a lot of the books and move around in bookshops and other museums and I don't know. But also get inspired sometimes by everyday items. I would say <laughs> it's. I think it's absolutely crucial, and it's something I always preach to. If I ever do lecture, guest lecturing, I can you know constantly preach the same thing that my lecturers preached to me, which was to just yeah. fill your head with the broadest range of stimulus. Yeah. However, I, I have to say it is quite a luxury. Sorry, my voice. Um, that. Um, Actually, I get also, of course, very much inspired each time by the subject matter that I'm dealing with for each book. So it's either the work of an artist or the work of a chef sometimes, or, you know, and so this always very much informs my design. I think more, much more than thinking, oh, I've seen a book like that. I think that doesn't happen. It's more ideal with, for example, like the, Oh, the, um, I worked on a book for Bruce Nauman and I was heavily inspired by the, his works then and by the inside studio photography that I saw for the first time, how his studio looks like. So that heavily influenced the, the cover design and the elements are put in the typography. So um, I think this is where I really look close and where each time I'm inspired, whoever the subject is, this is what... Um, is the important influence for the creation of the book. And also when I do the art direction, I think it's the same process. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the chapter Wa book, you know, for yeah. example. I mean, mm. we're talking Japan and design, you know, that's a whole world in its own right, which is incredible, but just so, you know, um, so inf informed by the culture that how yeah. could you not go broader than the design itself? Yeah. Know? Yeah, that was, of course, I mean, I really did a lot of uh, research. and But again, I had all these amazing uh, objects that are in the book uh, from ancient times until today, all Japanese uh, objects which were actually organized by material in this book. So that was the, I, had, I could pick up on so many uh, materials and uh, shapes and forms. So it was, yeah, that was one of the nicest books to work on, of course, with, that I could use the real Japanese binding, even though our book is mass produced and I proposed that and it was possible and the folded pages and then the lacquer on the cover and the embossed deboss and all that. It was, it was really great to find out that this was possible because sometimes I propose things and I kind of fear already this might go a little bit too far for mass production <laughs> and so i have a close <laughs> collaboration of course with our production team at Feiden that, uh, that is amazing 
and to tries hard to make these things work. Yes, indeed, and that is a brilliant book cover. I thought we, I wanted to touch upon that just a little bit because as as an author and an illustrator myself, it's it's some of my most challenging things have been designing my own book covers, and mm. I went from very early and not this wasn't just my own but I, I do bits for bloomsbury design too and mm-hmm. you know i wanted to reinvent the wheel every time when i when i started out like you do when you're young and hungry and not that i'm not hungry now but now mm-hmm. i understand the functionality and the way that a book cover has to capture the mood and the essence of a book and not necessarily tell the entire story it, that's the thing it is always an emotional reaction to the subject matter that what you put out um, as the cover design, or that's how I see it at least. It's it's an emotional interpretation. It's not putting something on. It's really an, an emotional interpretation. And um, maybe I think also intuition is is key. So I mean, I look back, and many times the first intuitive direction I choose for a cover design, often I go back to my first um, sketch, you know, it's kind of because it is, it is this uh, emotional reaction, I guess, that the intuition is then also right. And you do many more versions, but then it's like, no, the first one was the yeah. best. So I put that <laughs> forward. <laughs> Yeah, I have the I have these very trusted, vastly more experienced creative directors in my network who I'm good friends with, and uh, there's about four or five who I know will be as brutal as I need them to be. And when I reach a certain point with book covers, I send the work to them and kind of brace. <laughs> and it's all invariably will always be no, 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 strip it back to where it was. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, love that. true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so how many books, for example, will you work on at any given time? Oh, that varies a bit, but I would say it could be, it really depends. Some are massive projects, so I have fewer at one time together. And sometimes there's also others coming on top just because of the process that we work, but it it varies between three and six and seven in a season. We publish, I think, it also varies around 40 a season. And Mm. so in that range I design myself, but it so depends always what's um, on the list and what's right and how busy I am. Yeah, it's, it varies a little bit, but I try to do as many as I can and, uh, or, yeah. I imagine that you must have to be incredibly organized to, to maintain your creativity in, in the midst of all of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess in that sense, really, as I said, the setup really helps that I have the peace and quiet. Um, uh, and because these meetings are sometimes very intense and long, and it's also it's so many projects that it's quite tiring to jump from one to the next to the next. And each time you have to quickly recall what's important here and where were we. And it's really multitasking uh, in these meetings. But I don't know. I guess I'm organized, but I'm not someone that is like filing. And <laughs> but I guess in my head, I can find organization very useful. Yes, yeah. and uh, it's also a lot of experience. I don't know. I know that in twenty years ago, I I worked night shifts to achieve what uh, to 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 do these designs, and now I just 
it has to work in a certain amount of hours because I also have children, you know, it's like, but it works because I have the experience. I think I learned not to work night shifts and only if it's absolutely necessary happens. Yeah. But not, not on a regular basis. (laughs) Yeah. And then how, and how did you feel about, there's not a right answer to such a question, but you know, the times we're living in with the the digital prominence, I guess is the word, but Mm. um, I think that, in my opinion, it heightens the value of, of physical books because I think we're exposed to so much information now and it's so across so many different systems that I think there's something wonderful about the curation of a book and this. So, for, yeah. you know, I think I think of the D3 book, for example, and, my, and I still have, like I said, books from 20 years ago when I was studying mm-hmm. that are just these wonderful compendiums of collected works that just save so much stress if you were if you were to go online and start looking for all of this stuff individually it would just take so much time and i think there would be so less so much less joy you know in what it gives you in that physical experience of sitting down and everything else fades away yeah i completely agree with that and i think it proves also these book we're still selling books they're still there we're still making them luckily and it, it proves that people love them and need them and need these objects and uh, to connect to and not just have everything in digital form on their phone. But yeah, in that sense, also, we really try that the books work online as objects. So we really take great care about a rendering or even better once the book is there that we can show the materiality and the three-dimensionality of it in front, spine, back, looking inside. So it's really important. We really want to also online uh, that they come across as objects. But we have to also, um, of course, since a long time already, very much keep in mind that they work as thumbnail thumbnail, uh, size online, um, the covers, because if they don't, then it's a problem because, of course, non-platforms are the main seller or not the main but a a huge part of it and but it's interesting because again as a student I designed a lot of covers and we were always saying that um, a cover uh, sorry a a lot of posters and we always said that a poster actually has to work in stamp size because that's how you see it in the street in the end so it's a little bit that exercise that the covers have to have that quality that they're also really iconic uh, in that size in mm. um, the same way as a poster has to just shout loud when it's far away or a stamp has to do its job in that tiny size you know mm-hmm. and I like that challenge <laughs> yeah that is a good challenge actually. but I don't like that I don't like to compromise so um, I love to keep the quality of the materiality and I don't want to compromise because it has to work online so it's again another challenge, you know. To yes, find. I agree. It's a very satisfying outcome when you find something that is still very true and pure to the idea, but but does you know does the functional functional side of things too? Yeah, really good. Um, there's um, I think there's a hu- I think there's a huge importance in in particularly in art books and design books in mm-hmm. terms of opening the door for the next generation. So again, I, I mentioned several times, you know during my own studies we would have these small bookshelves full of collections and anthologies yes. and, and and it was incredible because they introduced me to 
you know, people who were absolutely pivotal in showing me that something could be done a certain way that, that struck something a chord with my personality or with a cultural thing that was going on. And there's no predicting what that will mean as the years progress. But I think that remains the same, doesn't it? It's still a great way of opening the door to new generations. I would say so. I would hope so. I think it is. And um, it's nice that um, the books that are maybe too ex expensive for uh, students often come out as paperbacks later, two years later or so. And uh, and then they're available in the libraries. And I mean, when I studied, we had really this uh, curated library in the room where we were studying, created by our professor. It was hugely important to have all the important classic books on design there. So <clears throat> I would say it's the same. And you just cannot... Um, replace that with digital information only, uh, I would say. And yeah, to open the book and also together look at something that you can mm -hmm. touch and see really well printed. That's the other thing, you know, that the reproduction is flawed on digital platforms. It's it's not the right colors. It's it's on a glowing screen rather than um, reproducing really, say, the the, the oil paint um, on the best paper possible for this uh, artwork. Mm, yeah. And, you know, and again, what a milestone, 100 years, and to, to have played a significant part in that. Um, you know, and moving forward, what's next? Well, what's next? I mean, not, not, not so much in terms of what's on the to-do list, but, you know... Um, the, the times are changing very rapidly all the time at the moment. So yeah, I guess true. like it, I guess like anyone else, it's kind of hold on and see, see where we are, you know, week to week, month to month. Yeah. But it's nice to maybe also look back to what was there before and to connect it with the contemporary. So like that's, I love doing that, like going back to very old binding techniques or looks and uh, you know, of the very, of Bibles or, and, and take references or from old telephone books, like, mm -hmm. uh, the, that's interesting, you know, then, and to, to merge us with contemporary typefaces and that creates something new. I think this can definitely be one way to look into the future of bookmaking to really also always look back and connect and merge and so on. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that works very well. <laughs> yes, no, without a doubt. And, you know, we live at a time when we have access to references from the, the entirety of human history, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. That is, you know, that's what you, that is what you make of it. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just, it's a luxury. I guess it's a luxury we have, isn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think that covers about everything, Julia, but that, that, that's been fantastic. It's been a, a joy to uh, to hear your story. Thank you, thank mm. you for having me. <laughs> yep, my, 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 my podcast. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what's next. I'll certainly be keeping a keen eye. Thank you so much to Julia Hasting. This has been a joy to talk to her and hear about Fiden's 100 years and particularly her tenure as creative director. You know, when you graduate from arts degrees, you think you dream of talking to people like this in any capacity, let alone professionally, and to get to hear their story and their deepest secrets. So thank you so much to Julia for 
being so candid about her work and so open and I think that's going to inspire a lot of people and give a, a lot of valuable insight so I hope you enjoyed that today as I mentioned earlier on in the show if you want to support the Kickstarter to help me get the Creative Condition book off the ground and realise this project which is a bit of a dream for me and a, a labour of love and something I want to do a lot of great work with then you can help me do that you can get your credit in the book you can get your advanced copy you can get a whole host of supporting gifts and prints um, Thank you. If you've done that so far, it really does mean the world, and I hope you'll consider joining me on this journey. Uh, you're already on it if you're listening to the show, so thank you. And any uh, follows and subscriptions and reviews on the podcast platforms that you use to listen to this are very, very valuable, so please take time to do that. It means a lot. Thank you, guys. Hit me up, hello at bentallen.com or on the social media as ever, and do support the founding sponsor of the show, illustrationx.com, to see all their global range of animators and illustrators Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and stay creative.